We're so glad that you're listening to the Branches Podcast. If you're in the Houston area, we'd love to see you in person at 11 a.m. on Sunday mornings. For more information, go to brancheshtx.org. We hope this message helps you draw closer to God and that you hear the good news that you belong. Thanks for listening. When the apostles returned, they described for Jesus what they'd done. Taking them with him, Jesus withdrew privately to a city called Bethsaida. When the crowds figured it out, they followed him. He welcomed them, spoke to them about God's kingdom, and healed those who were sick. When the day was almost over, the twelve came to him and said, send the crowd away so that they can go to the nearby villages, the countryside, and find lodging and food, because we are in a deserted place. He replied, you give them something to eat. But they said, we have no more than five loaves of bread and two fish, unless we go and buy food for all these people. They said this because about 5,000 men were present. Jesus said to his disciples, seat them in groups of about 50. They did so, and everyone was seated. He took five loaves and two fish, looked up to heaven, blessed them and broke them, and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd. Everyone ate until they were full, and the disciples filled 12 baskets with the leftovers. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. I've grown a little in this area in particular, still growing, many of us are, but when I was a kid, when I was in like late elementary school and middle school, I had no concept of money and finances. (laughs) And now that I'm an adult, it's a problem uh, because everything I want is just one impulse away, you know? And so, you know, that's the problem with having like adult grown-up money is like everything that I had to wait for a holiday or to save up, I could just go buy tomorrow if I wanted to. (laughs) Uh, And you don't do that because you're a responsible adult and so you you do well with your finances. But as a kid, I had no concept of this. I had no idea what money my parents made. I had no concept of what like an average salary was in the town I grew up in. I had no idea what made somebody not have that much money and what made somebody have a lot of money. I knew a million was a big number. I knew a billion was even bigger, but had very little concept. Not great at math, not great at money as a kid. Growing. (laughs) There's always grace. And I remember this moment really vividly, and I don't know why it sticks out to me, but I thought about it this week, sitting next to my mom in church. And our pastor, who was my best friend's dad, a really special person in my life, it was December, so he was making the pitch. And if you've been in church for a long time, you've heard a pitch like this. It's the end of the year. We're not quite there yet. We have a budget number we're trying to meet, and every bit counts, and it's true. Every bit counts. Every little gift, everything you give goes toward that number, and look at all the wonderful things we do as a church. So we're wrapping up the year. Even if you've pledged, even if you've met your tithe, even if you've met your pledge, could you give an extra gift so we could meet our budget for the end of the year? And my mom, apparently, I was moved. I had no money, but my mom, who did have money, she was moved because she got out her checkbook, and she started to write. First United Methodist Church, Russellville, Arkansas, signed it at the bottom, and wrote in $200. And I remember thinking, remember, no concept of money, uh, money at all. What are you doing, Mom? <laughs> Can we afford that, you know? Is that, is that an amount that you're willing to give away? Like, again, no concept of money. Like, I felt like she was betting away the farm, and it was probably uh, uh, maybe a selfish thing. Like, think of all the cool things you could buy me, you know? <laughs> And it's something that I think has been instilled in me for a long, long time, and it's something that Landon and I work through all the time that I think more often than not, I have a scarcity mentality more than an abundance mentality. That I think there's not enough. 
So the Sunday after Christmas, we had this thing in here called brunches. It was really wonderful, where we gathered together, had brunch, Michelle preached this amazing message, we ate food together, we celebrated the new year, and we had food catered for it, and we had food for plenty of people. But all night long, Saturday night, I'm like, we're not gonna have enough? Everybody's gonna leave, <laughs> they're gonna be empty, they're gonna be so mad at me, we didn't order enough food, what are we gonna do, what are we gonna do? Uh, with past time to update the order, we were fine. <laughs> we had plenty of food. People were full, and in fact, we had leftovers, just like in this story. I had a scarcity mentality. And in that scarcity, I've learned and been shaped and formed by thinking about this God that we hear about in the scriptures that the third graders are gonna read about in their Bibles, a God of abundance, a God in whom we find enough. And not monetarily or physically, but spiritually, we find in our own wants and needs, we find in those empty places in our lives that God is more than enough. And all it takes sometimes for me to realize that fact, I know it in my head, but to get it into my heart is for somebody to give, <laughs> for somebody to be generous, for someone to dream something beyond we could ever expect. I shared with the staff this last week, I've been in the St. Luke's family for a year now which is hard to believe. I started at St. Luke's on January 18th of last year. And God has provided. God has done amazing, abundant things in our presence here at Branches and all over the St. Luke's family of ministries, and I'm so grateful for it. But I have to admit, there are many times where it's like, is it enough? Are there enough people coming? Do we have enough communion for Sunday? Are there enough things happening? Are there enough chairs or is there enough of that? And all it takes is for somebody to say, yes, there's enough because in Christ there is enough. And I'm telling you all this to say it's a really hard thing for me to learn and more often than not, even I was a scarcity mentality child, it, it takes learning from children to know that there is enough. There's plenty to go around. There's plenty to share. There's plenty to give to another person. And I saw this news story. Maybe some of you have seen it. We're gonna show a video of it from the news about kids who know that there is enough. And it, it, it's beyond that scarcity mentality. It's a dream that they had, and they knew that there was enough to welcome people. So let's watch this together. There is enough. Kids know that better than we do. There is enough. What are we gonna do next? They didn't say like, well, that's sad, but we can't do anything about it. They said, no, we have to do something about it. We have to do something about it. We have to cold call businesses. I, as a child, I have to say, one, lazy, two, never called cold, cold call businesses. Uh, I have a hard time doing it now, and it's my job sometimes to cold call people. Amazing, incredible. And they didn't mention Jesus once, once in that story, but every time I see it, I think, that's Jesus. That's who Jesus is. He looked on them. This story is in all four of the Gospels, all four of these biographies of Jesus. He looked on them with compassion, and the disciples, the ones closest to him, said, we can't do anything about this. This is all we've got. And Jesus said, watch. <laughs> and took what seemed like so little and made it stretch a really long way, that every person left full and there were leftovers. Maybe somebody came late. There were still some for them. When I look at that story, I'm like, that's the sort of church I wanna be. When I look at that story and I look at that kid and the, the interviewer says, you're a good kid, like, that's the sort of disciple I wanna be. That's the sort of person I wanna be. And I read the story in the Gospels and I'm so moved by Jesus and I, and I know the common question when we read this story is, did that really happen? How, the mechanics, the um, authors aren't really interested in the mechanics, but did that really happen? 
And I mean, it's a lofty miracle. Like 5,000 people were fed. And to the third graders, that's a big miracle. Spoiler, the main character dies and raises from the dead. Uh, so even bigger miracles ahead. I know we got to reckon with that one. I think we can reckon with 5,000 people being fed, you know? But I'm so moved by what Jesus does. He has compassion on them. And even in this moment, he's healing and teaching and welcoming, we hear. And there's this continuity then between this Jesus and the, and the God that these people probably worshiped. This God who provided in the wilderness. This God who walked alongside people who were hungry. This God who saw the oppressed, turned his ear toward them and saved them from oppression and slavery. I think the, the, the message, I think the thing we can drill down into our hearts, I think what we can capture in our own selves for this is to, to think about this God and think about what Jesus offers and say this, that Jesus' love, the life that Jesus offers, is the only thing in the universe that multiplies when you give it away. It's the only thing in this world that gets bigger when you make it smaller for yourself. <laughs> it's the only thing that you possess that you can open-handedly give away and never run out of. It's the only thing in this world that you can say, take more and more and more and offer it and invite someone with it that will multiply it in yourself when you do so. It's the practice of, it's the, the, the meaning of, it's the framing of hospitality. In all these stories we looked at so far, Jesus' main thing was there's a seat for you, there's a table for you, there's a meal for you, there's no scarcity at all, there's no empty place that you can't fill, there's no place that you're not allowed. Jesus, with open arms and an open heart, says come, and not just come and sit and be taught and healed, but come and be filled. When I, when, I, when I look at our city, and you know, Houston is a new city for me, and I'm learning from all of you all the time the ways in which people are hungry physically and spiritually and emotionally and relationally, and I'm learning about all the ways that, that people are broken and, and, and hurt, and then I, I look all around us and I know it's so easy, and it's so easy for me, like I've confessed to you from my childhood to say, is there enough? But I wanna, I wanna step out with you. I want to step out in friendship and companionship. I want to step out as a church. I want to step out as people that follow Jesus and say, yes, I trust there is enough. There's enough in you. There's enough in us. There's enough in this community. There's enough that no matter how many hungry there are, they can be filled. And we can do that in a physical way. And there, nobody, no matter how many hungry people there are relationally, we can welcome them. Our core practice here, belonging, we can welcome them in and say, everyone belongs your loneliness is filled when you come here. That's what we're longing for. I wanna talk just directly to the third graders uh, for a second. You're gonna have friends and peers, and I have friends and peers that don't care about the Bible. <laughs> and when you read the Bible, when you open its pages, you're gonna be confused by it. But I think one thing that'll be so clear to you, one thing that you can bring into your heart, one thing that you can focus on is not just what the words say, but who it points to. And I want you to remember always, in Jesus, there is enough. That as you read the passages of scripture together with your friends and in your Sunday school class with your Sunday school teacher, it's not just about the words on the page, it's about who said them and who it's pointing you to. And I want all of us to remember that too. That it's not just about the Bible says, it's about the Bible says this about this one that loves each and every one of us that loves every person in humanity, that draws all people to himself. That's what the Bible does. That's what it points us to. That's why we celebrate third grade Bibles, not because it's just a new book, 
though that's worthy enough to celebrate in my opinion, but that it points to this Jesus who when, when faced with a challenge doesn't say you're right, there's too much in the way. He says, let's do it. As I thought about the third grade Bibles this week, I thought about my own faith formation and someone that was really important in my faith formation was Shane Claiborne. Uh, and in his book, Irresistible Revolution, highly recommend, changed my life. Uh, he talks about when he worked in India with Mother Teresa uh, in a leper colony, essentially, and the home for the destitute and dying people just on the end of their rope, uh, disease, hurt, and pain in Calcutta. And uh, he says this about his experience there. As I lived in a leper colony, the Bible came to life. That's our prayer for our third graders today. The Bible came to life, changed from black and white to color, just like it did on the streets of Philly. I saw the gospel with new eyes. One of the texts that had always given me trouble was John 14, 12. Very truly, I tell you, all who have faith in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. You shall do even greater things? Here's the Son of the Almighty, God incarnate, telling us ragtag disciples that we will do the same things he's been doing. I don't know about you, but I haven't raised anyone from the dead lately. I haven't seen anyone turn water into wine, although I had a friend who tried. And I hadn't healed any lepers. Even though I touched them, they still went home lepers at the end of the day. And he goes on to say, for the record, I'm a strong believer in miracles. And so many stories come to mind of miraculous providence. How about one quick one? A friend of mine was working down in Latin America in a health clinic they'd set up. They had very few supplies, and one day they'd run out of everything except a bottle of Pepto-Bismol. So when people showed up with all sorts of illnesses, all they could offer was Pepto. But then, my friend says, the crazy thing is, people were getting healed. They were coming with all sorts of illnesses and injuries, and the missionaries would give them Pepto-Bismol. And a crowd of folks gathered from all over, and he said that somehow that little bottle never ran out. So I know miracles are real. Story after story comes to mind. But beyond the miracles, what has lasting significance is love. We can do all sorts of miracles, but if we have not love, it is nothing. In the leper colony, I had the strange sensation that somehow God's spirit was alive in me. When I watch that story from the news, when I hear the story of Jesus, when I watch the things that you do, when I see our third graders, when I see our children gathered, when I see us at the farm in A-Leaf, when I see us give money to Second Cup here in Houston, I feel the spirit of God alive in me and I stand alongside Jesus saying, there's no obstacle before us that we can't go past. There's no empty place that we can't fill. And that's all because this truth, this reality, this thing that sinks from our head into our heart, God is enough. In Jesus, there is enough. God provides and is with us every step of the way. So like those children, let's dream together about those empty places and how we can fill them. Let's notice as Jesus noticed the multitudes and with compassion, welcome, heal, bind together, and fill. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for the good news that you are enough that your word as we celebrate it in these third graders today fills us up with your life and light and love and we are transformed by it. Continue to transform us and shape us. Walk alongside us. Help us see the horizon in front of us that in every step of the way you are with us and you are the God who provides. So provide for us. Provide for us in our longing and loneliness. Provide for us in our want for love and compassion. Provide for us in our need of community 
and provide for our city and our world. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.